You're listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation in law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Here today to share their impressions from the recent Mobile World Congress in Barcelona are Wiley Ryan, TMT partner and former Deputy Bureau Chief of the Wireless Telecommunications Bureau at the FCC, Scott Delacour, and international law and policy expert Jacqueline Ruff, who recently joined Wiley Ryan as a consulting counsel after serving as Verizon Communications Vice President of International Government Relations and Policy. Could you set the scene for us? What is Mobile World Congress and why does it matter? Thank you, Leslin. This was a massive event. There were over 100,000 attendees over the four days, and they came from just about every country. They were there to see the future of the mobile industry and to talk to each other. There were exhibits on the latest technology, a constant stream of announcements, high-energy keynotes, engagements by CEOs and top technical experts. In summary, it was total sensory overload. The overall theme was intelligent connectivity, which was defined as the intersection enabled by 5G and the Internet of Things, plus the intelligence delivered by artificial intelligence and big data. Now, the host organization, the GSM Association, consists of 750 operators and 400 companies in the broader mobile ecosystem. Inside the Mobile World Congress, the GSMA organized a special ministerial program in which 2,000 top government officials and others gathered. Many of them were heads of the ministries responsible for communication and information services in their country or of the regulators. This four-day event focused on the digital citizen. So why does this matter? Well, it's an important and unique annual gathering of the telecom, technology, and media industry and other stakeholders. Everyone's there. They're all seeing and experiencing new technology trends, engaging in public policy discussions, and doing business with customers, with vendors, counterparts, innovators. Being there helps businesses see around the corner, see the future. Wiley Rhine itself has had a long and deep relationships with senior government officials around the world, and the Mobile World Congress provides us also a unique opportunity to strengthen those relationships and to get the inside story about what is really happening in countries everywhere. Fascinating. Scott, with 5G being such a major focus for the wireless industry, what insights about that did the Mobile World Congress provide. Some have described MWC as demonstrating that 5G is becoming a reality. Thanks, Leslin. Um, Having attended in in sequential years back to back, there's no question that the discussion has evolved from the potential of 5G to the reality, with numerous deployments either underway or being planned globally. And with the deployment now taking place, the policy discussion has also matured. The program featured lots of discussion of different deployment characteristics of 5G small cells. These are services that will be deployed with a small equipment, but a smaller footprint, as opposed to the macro cells that are used for 4G. And that has different policy implications. 
There was also plenty of discussion of the different circumstances under which 5G would be used for densification, as opposed to for a more ubiquitous deployment the way we see uh, wireless being deployed today. Part of this discussion was around new concepts um, in network sharing to spread the cost, because if you're going to be uh, deploying this more expensive equipment in sort of small deployments, as opposed to ubiquitous deployments, you've got to think about the implications of that. And uh, the other idea is you're going to have to roll out a whole new generation of, of services with different capabilities, and that's a, a significant expense for MNOs to take on. So the discussion was around network sharing, including newer concepts of network virtualization and network slicing. Network virtualization is where uh, physical infrastructure is shared, but from a user perspective, you have the sense that you're on uh, an independent network of one carrier or another, and that's achieved with software. The software is operating independently on the same network, so you have a, a sense that you are with a branded carrier, even though you're on the same network for both or multiple carriers. There's also the concept of network slicing, where again, through the use of software, common infrastructure is used for different use cases. So you could have um, an IoT network of massive with massive amounts of sensors operating on the same network as one that serves traditional wireless users like retail users doing voice and data, and also doing connected cars on the same infrastructure. But due to the way the software is implemented, you are sold and perceive yourself as receiving network on independent infrastructure. So that was fascinating. There was a lot of discussion also of new, new use cases. Jackie alluded to intelligent connectivity, and there was display of smart city applications that combine sensors and big data to achieve a lot of different services and functionality. The other big things being shown were virtual and augmented reality and a variety of connected car and AV applications. Fascinating. So, Jackie, was the U.S. government active at the MWC? Yes, the U.S. government was very active. The strong U.S. government participation included the Commerce Department's head of NTIA, the National Telecom and Information Administration, that's David Rettel, from the FCC, again, Chairman uh, Ajit Pai, Commissioners Brendan Carr and Jessica Rosenworcel were both there. They were all very active. From the Federal Trade Commission, uh, interestingly, Commissioner Rebecca Kelly Slaughter. And, of course, this being an international meeting, the State Department was well represented by the head of the Information Policy and Cybersecurity Functions, Robert Strayer. With this being a World Congress this level of government participation helped to showcase the U.S. leadership in both 5G deployment, which is, of course, coming through the operators and the vendors and so on, and policymaking, which these government uh, officials are also involved in. Interestingly, European operators raised concerns about unfavorable policy environments in their keynotes. And by releasing a manifesto calling for regulatory simplification and lower spectrum fees and longer license terms, this was a de facto confirmation that the U.S. provides a better enabling environment. For example, many of the measures for regulatory simplification that they were calling for have already been adopted here. So it was interesting to see that dynamic playing out. News about China's supply chain issues was intense going into the MWC. How did that issue play out, Scott? 
Yeah, the security issue was definitely an overhang of the entire uh, conference that seemed to permeate a lot of discussions. There's always been policy differences that will sort of percolate up to the top at these uh, conferences, particularly where in a program like the ministerial, where you bring together, as Jackie mentioned, 2,000 top-level government officials from all over the world, there's going to be some differences of opinion. But mostly, it's been very diplomatic, as you would expect among diplomats. This was a little bit different. At least the tone was different this year, particularly when the Huawei chairman made pointed remarks about the cybersecurity situation and the allegations about backdoors in Huawei network gear, um, and really you know, was very pointed and, and referenced the uh, NSA's PRISM program and suggested that the U.S. government had unclean hands on the surveillance issue, which I hadn't seen something like that before to go directly to the point and kind of almost in a mocking way mentioned the the PRISM uh, situation. So that was that was new. Um, it also kind of trickled down to the to the retail level, if you will. I mean, small anecdote, but Huawei was a conference sponsor. So there were lanyards and your credentials or something that everyone had to carry around. And that these lanyards all said Huawei. And people were concerned about that, whether they be commercial, whether they be government. And there was a good trade in replacement lanyards, something that would say anything but Huawei to carry around with your credentials. So that's kind of the level at which this had had permeated through the conference. Wow. What were your takeaways around public policy, Jackie? Well, as I said earlier, this ministerial conference really does provide a remarkable opportunity to hear current thinking from all parts of the world and to connect with the government officials. I would say that uh, if you look at that, you also look at some of the keynotes. In summary, the discussions were in three main buckets. One was deployment, including technology and spectrum. The other one I would summarize as customer or consumer trust. And then the third was the role of regulation, which was threaded throughout everything, how to tailor it to today's market dynamics and consumer protection, how to protect consumers' competition without stifling the availability of these important new technologies. In a little bit more detail, um, Scott's talked a lot about 5G. One dimension of that is having the right global spectrum available. So there was conversation about the fact that later this year, there will be a, a very large conference that will discuss that topic and, and particularly bans for 5G. There was a constant discussion of privacy and data protection, very importantly, of cybersecurity, of the vital role of global data flows that should be able to get across borders as easily as possible. The benefits and the possible downsides of AI, that's a very hot topic these days. I would say uh, there's a great deal on the Internet of Things continues to be. That's more primarily about the benefits of it, though some countries are fear that they won't get it as quickly as they should. And the general impression was that government officials around the world are grappling with these very similar issues and coming up with their own variations on, on these themes. So useful to hear about it from all these different perspectives. Yeah, I agree with all of those. And I would I would add a few more to the list. I think it was readily apparent that the 5G race is on and that the stakes are pretty high. Um, on the security issue, for example, there's this back and forth and governments have a, a stake in whose economy will benefit from leading on 5G. But if you take it down a level to the commercial participants at the conference, they're simply trying to figure out which rules of the road apply. You know, they're looking at 
day-to-day issues like, can I purchase this or that piece of equipment? What are the implications? And if I don't, what's the impact on my time to market? So it's a both a high-level issue and, and a, a retail, very practical commercial issue. Also, how to pay for 5G deployments was a very important issue that received a lot of a lot of policy discussion. Network sharing was an issue that I mentioned earlier, um, and there are some differences in culture between the U.S. and Europe on network sharing even today. So it'll be interesting whether that changes, whether the the expense of deploying new 5G networks is significant enough to make to bring essentially network sharing to the U.S. And use cases were also a source of concern. The approach to networks currently, where they're loaded with voice and data traffic from consumers, is if you build it, they will come. You know, when we went from 3G to 4G, there wasn't a thought about will consumers continue to use data? Will they continue to web surf? Will they continue to do all the things consumers do with their devices? But if you're engineering a 5G network, you're looking about loading that network with traffic from different use cases. So in order to monetize that network and to have revenue, uh, an income stream that justifies the expense of building it, you've got to be sure that, for example, you know, connected cars or AVs are going to be ready to be deployed and need to use your network. So there was a lot of discussion about, you know, will these new use cases, will augmented reality, will connected health devices be maturing on a, at a rate um, and be accepted by consumers in a way that will justify our 5G investments? Scott, uh, your comments really highlight to me the fact that all of these issues we were seeing in Barcelona and we're seeing the global cut on them are issues around which Wiley Ryan attorneys are supporting clients every single day here. Uh, Think about all the legal and policy issues that are being debated in the U.S. right now around IoT and drones and other new technologies, about the spectrum that's needed and the current U.S. activities to address privacy and bolster consumer trust and confidence. So there's a real kind of integration between what we were seeing there and what we're doing here every day. And why do these global developments matter to U.S.-based businesses? Well, there are many reasons. Uh, I'll flag three of them. The first is that U.S. and other global public policies are intertwined. They're constantly influencing each other. So senior government leaders and agency staff from Washington talk with their counterparts frequently. The U.S. government has standing policy dialogues with some countries. And the Federal Trade Commission, which I mentioned earlier as being present, is holding a hearing and seeking input on their international work with counterparts later this month, including on on AI. So there's a real back and forth on policy influences. Secondly, international data flows are integral to many services. And this will be especially true for 5G since it's expected to be used a lot for enterprise services, which frequently are, are global in nature. So ensuring these seamless data flows requires common understandings among governments which was a process that was underway there. And finally, U.S.-based businesses may be subject to foreign rules, including, as we know, on data protection. The European GDPR is uh, an example of that. And they may be trying to sell into or operate in foreign markets. Having reasonable rules and market access are key to success. 
And a lot of that was discussed. The people who do that were there. So related to all of these contexts, uh, Wiley-Rhein is a D.C.-based firm with an international practice that is deeply engaged with the U.S. government entities that in turn engage with their counterparts in international organizations. So these are some thoughts on how uh, all of this matters to U.S.-based businesses. Thank you both for joining Wiley Connected today. Thank you for tuning in to the Wiley Connected podcast brought to you by the attorneys at Wiley Ryan LLP. If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create, and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.